Welcome to the Brandon Associates Podcast Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussion that you can turn around and implement in your business to become a more effective insurance professional. And today, Chris and I are pleased to be joined by uh, Mark Robinson again. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. And today we're going to be talking about uh, MGAs. I know in the just as we were getting started to record this, Chris indicated he'd just seen a some new data that talked about, um, Chris, I'm going to let you do it. I'm not going to remember all the numbers, but there's a huge number of MGAs controlling a large amount of premium. Yeah, there, the new report out of coverage shows that um, MGAs, there's about give or take, and we'll, Mark's going to talk about the definitions and the importance mm-hmm. of that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, give or take, there's about 700 MGAs. And um, they now have in excess of $64 billion of premium. Really important part of the marketplace. So it's a timely topic. Absolutely. So that term MGA is thrown around a lot. Uh, Mark, what does it mean? What what really is it? What do people need to be on the lookout for? Sure. Um, thanks, Paul and Chris. The it's very important to understand the distinction between an MGA and a GA, and those terms are used interchangeably throughout the insurance industry, um, both in, in in the admitted and non-admitted market. So, so, it, and the National Association of Insurance Commissioners um, uh, issued a model act on what an MGA is and the definitions and contract requirements and licensing requirements, which many states have adopted with certain nuances. But I wanted to go through just specifically the uh, NAIC's definition. Um, and it states that an MGA is an individual or entity. Now, typically it's going to be an entity who manages all or part of an insurer's business. Um, so this can be, you know, management of the division, a department, underwriting office of an insurance company. Um, that's number one. Number two, acts as an agent for the insurer um, by performing the, the following functions. Uh, and this could be that uh, individual entity as well as its affiliates performing these, these functions. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you call yourself an agent, an MGA or GA, or whether you have the authority of the insurance company to, pro- to um, provide these functions, you still would fall under the definition. So uh, the first part of the definition is produce or underwrite gross written premium equal to more than 5% of the policyholder surplus of that insurance company as reported on their last annual statement or any quarterly statement. So again, it's producing 5% or more of the gross written premium of that particular carrier. So that's number one. Um, And you either adjust or pay claims. Um, The NAIC says an amount of 10,000 or more, but the states, I think New York's 25,000, it's state by state or you negotiate reinsurance on behalf of the insurance company. So th- those are the requirements. You're producing 5% or more, um, and then you are either adjusting claims or negotiating reinsurance. So, so there are times where you may be producing 5% or more of the business, 
but you're not handling the claims. The insurance company is responsible for the claims and they handle it or they outsource it to their claims um, uh, company that they work with. In that situation, you're, you don't fall under the definition of an MGA. So that, so it's very, very important to, to look at, at those elements. And now there are some nuances depending on states. And one state that has the biggest difference is Texas, where they will uh, consider someone to be in, or an entity to be an MGA if it has a supervisory responsibility over a local agency or field operations of an insurance company. Um, and ability to accept or process policies produced or sold by um, other agents, and and there are there are exceptions, um, but basically, if if that agent, uh, there are exceptions for um, if if you're licensed as a general agent or or a surplus lines broker or what have you, um, you would still fall under this definition if you accept more than fifty percent. Um, of your total annual business or more than $500,000 in total annual business, um, whichever is less, you know, measured by the, the premium volume. So Texas has a, a little bit of a, a nuance, but the, and Texas also has an MGA license uh, requirement. So that's the basic definition. There are exemptions. Um, an employee of an insurance company is exempt. Um, a U.S.-based manager of an alien insurance company, um, U.S. branch is, is exempt. Um, an affiliated underwriting manager um, is exempt. And then also uh, attorney and facts of reciprocal insurance or uh, insurance exchanges are exempt. Um, so, so basically, to, to recap, an agent um, manages the insurance, an MGA manages the insurance uh, company's business. Uh, produces the and underwrites a certain amount of the insurer's business and either adjusts claims or negotiates reinsurance. Any any questions on that? Otherwise, I want to jump into what the licensing and requirements are and obligations. So that to me that indicates that mm -hmm. a very large proportion of the entities calling themselves MGAs are a long ways from meeting the definition of an MGA because very, especially the startups and in no way whatsoever can control 5% of a carrier's premium. And, and, and that's correct. And, and uh, as a startup, they, they would not necessarily be an MGA under that definition. Um, now they may enter into an, uh, a quote unquote MGA agreement with, um, an insurance company, but technically, like for example, in California, which follows this definition, they wouldn't be a technically an MGA until they hit that 5% and they have to adjust claims or they have to have negotiated the reinsurance on behalf of the insurance company. So yes, there, there, there are, um, that, that, that is a correct statement, Chris. So if they have some kind of an MGA contract with a carrier, but they really they don't meet the legal definition of an MGA. What in the heck are they? Um, they would be a general agent. Uh, so so they would be um, ha have authority to to uh, uh, you know uh, handle the underwriting and um, processing and potentially billing and other things that the insurance company would do. The the uh, general agent would do appointing sub agents and such. 
but they wouldn't fall under the technical definition of an MGA. And, and in the licensing requirements are uh, basically you need to have a property and casualty license. And then there are many states that also require on top of that, once you fall into the definition, you need to have an MGA license. The insurance company needs to appoint you as an MGA. There are some states that have specific forms for that. Um, there may be some additional bond requirements. Uh, there, um, so, so there's additional requirements. So it's important to know when you hit that level or when you all of a sudden become an MGA that, that you are properly licensed in the states and in compliance with the MGA statute, which every state has, um, they've all adopted it. Um, and again, on the obligation side, there's the licensing compliance. Um, if you're an MGA, you're, you're under much more scrutiny of the uh, regulator in that particular state. Um, in, in fact, uh, the acts of an MGA are considered the acts of the insurance company and you can be examined like a carrier. And that is right out of the NAIC statute. Um, and that's, that is also incorporated in the, uh, not statute, but model act. And that's incorporated in the, sta the state statutes. So there's a lot of exposure to be an MD MGA. So, uh, so it's important to, to understand the distinction. If they're really a GA and not an MGA, if you're, let's say you're a retail agent, what do you need to know to change things for the retail agent? Uh, well, if you're if you're a retail agent, um, you're, you're going to be entering into an agreement with the entity, whether they're calling themselves a, a GA or an MGA, right? Uh, and um, but but you should, you know, you should make sure they have the proper uh, E&O insurance and insurance coverages that they are licensed. There should be some due diligence done on the MGA, uh, just as the MGA or GA is going to do due diligence on the retailer to make sure they're properly licensed and have the proper insurance. And and you the contract, the which is the retail agency broker contract with the GA MGA, um, should should be reviewed carefully to make sure it contains you know the terms uh, that are are reasonable. Um, for the retailer, you know, such as expiration rights, termination rights, um, uh, you know, commission, how commissions can be changed, um, uh, you know, notice, all, all those issues. Well, we dive into those contracts, I think, Mark, Chris, and, and you made a good point of, of some of that due diligence, right? There's so much. I, mm. I, my inbox is full of solicitations from MGAs, which... It's turning out they're not really MGA saying, hey, you know, we can get you access to X, Y, and Z carrier in whichever market. And and when you talk to them, uh, there's just a lot of times this link, you quick quickly click through it, click accept on the contract, and you can be off to the races. And what we're trying to, I think, tell folks is that slow down at that point, make sure that they're licensed and make sure they've got E&O. And then from that point, really review those contracts, which you'll talk about. Any Anything else? I mean, they could probably take those three steps and be pretty safe entering into new relationships as a retail agent. Or if you're trying to start one of these organizations up, 
have that as part of your process to set yourself apart from what your competitors are doing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and completely agree. And, and um, you know, there, there really are uh, in the structure with MGAs, there's, there's three agreements, right? You have the MGA contract with the insurance company. Um, you're going to have the uh, reinsurance agreement uh, with between the insurance company and the reinsurer or potentially with um all uh with with the with the MGA as well and then the retail uh, agency brokerage agreement so just to go through these agreements the MGA agreement uh as you can imagine j- contains um appointment and duties of the MGA such as what their authority is uh what their capacity is you know how much premium can they they write with with the carrier uh, and and how much premium the reinsurer is going to authorize um, binding? Uh, are they going to are they handling claims? If so, it's going to have discussion on claims on um, negotiate uh, on um, you know the 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 reinsurance etc. It's going to talk about premiums, handling of premiums, uh, trust accounts, um, compensation of the MGA. Uh, there'll be a provision that deals with sub agents or or, or uh, of the MGA and and the, the requirements there. Um, the, what insurance the MGA has to carry a carrier, and then more standard terms, you know, terms of um, the term and termination, indemnification, um, and other statutory requirements. So again, if you're technically an MGA, there are there is statutory language. Uh, that the NAIC uh, has in their model act that that states have have adopted that must be in these agreements. And again, these agreements are going to be provided by the insurance company. It's not like per someone setting up an MGA is going to have to come up with the MGA agreement. The carrier is going to provide their form. And they're all fairly standard. I mean, you see the same type of forms out there um, just because of over the years um, they've, they've all had the same information in them but they certainly representing an MGA you you need you need counsel to review it and to uh, uh, look for you know issues that that aren't fair to the MGA in the relationship with the carrier so so that's the MGA agreement and then and then there's also a reinsurance agreement where Depending if if it's it's typically going to be with the insurance company. However, if it's a situation where it's a fronting arrangement where the insurance company is basically loaning out their paper, so to speak, and it's 100% reinsured, then you're going to see. I've seen where the reinsurance it's like a quota share reinsurance agreement where you have the insurance company, the reinsurer, and the MGA all within that all within that contract as parties. And uh, that document's gonna, again, go over um, business reinsured to territory line of business limits, um, the liability cap on the reinsurer exclusions, uh, claims, reporting requirements, um, et cetera. So, so that's, that's another document that again, needs to be negotiated um, by, by the MGA. And and the insurance company and reinsurer, um, and then the final 
final agreement is the retail broker agent agreement between the retailer and the um, MGA. Uh, and and again, but we 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 touched on it a bit. But don't just sign that agreement. Um, review it. Uh, look at the terms, uh, the expiration rights, uh, the the changes in commissions. Uh, the you know the term. Um, you know what we're seeing, at least out here in California, a lot of agents and brokers getting terminated because of the property market and the auto market and the insurance companies desire to slow down business and they're coming up with all kinds of reasons. So it's super important to, um, to, to have that reviewed. I see too many times clients just sign those agreements without even looking at them. Thanks for that overview, Mark. I know I was just reviewing a contract mm -hmm. and with a, probably what I'm going to think is a, a general agent, there was some language in there that was very concerning to me regarding regarding that termination that if or moving the business that uh, they were going to provide us access to certain insurance markets that we don't have contracts with directly but also some of the markets that they could provide a quote for we do have access directly and in that language my fear was that if somehow you know we had a contract with carrier Y and then they placed that piece of business with carrier Y if we were ever going to move that business, we'd have to pay them two times the annual commission is what that contract appeared to me to say. So have you seen things like that where uh, that's the more the renewal rights that I had some concerns on? Yeah, I mean, and, and that so the that's interesting because in that situation, they're taking some some type of almost uh, ownership interest in the revenues or rights to revenues if you decide to move it. Um, or, or a hammer clause uh, on that. And yeah, that's something that 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 should be negotiated um, well before it's, it's signed. Um, and, and absolutely, those type of provisions I, I would be wary about. Um, you know what, what I what we I see a lot is on the expiration rights and uh, where those aren't negotiated in, in the GA or the MGA or carrier has the right to, um, solicit your customers <laughs> uh, or refer your customers to other agents to solicit. Uh, and absolutely, and I, you know, you, you don't want that. Um, you know, you want complete control over your expiration rights because that's the value that goes towards the value of your book in the event you want to sell it. You need to have clean title to that. And, and you don't want carriers and, and such um, being able to solicit those customers. And Chris, if you, I mean, I'm sure you see that a lot in in your valuations as you as you're reviewing contracts, how that can really impact someone's agency. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, I've seen several situations recently where the agency didn't they didn't own their expiration rights. Other aspect of it is the question is, um, do you own the data surrounding it, not just the expiration rights? And some of these MGAs, they own the data. Their contracts are pretty explicit. And I'm not sure what the value of an expiration is if you don't under if you don't own the un underlying data. It's a big it's a big problem. And especially um, one that I saw, they can take that data and then use it for alternative purposes. 
which is another another problem. And a couple of um, regular standard admitted carriers have recently come out with addendums to their contracts. And they say very explicitly, you cannot use any of this data for any purposes other than the the regular solicitation and servicing of insurance as of insurance that we provide, um, not just insurance in general. So I think all of these contracts, when you put them all together, are getting pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need counsel on a lot of these and instead of just signing them. At the very least, read them very carefully and understand them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, and you know, it's I, I've even seen agreements where, you know, there's personal guarantees. You know, yes, he signs. The yes. But they slip in a, a personal guarantee of the agent yeah. owner. I mean, you you never want to sign a personal guarantee. I mean, there, maybe there's times where you have a real estate lease or something you have to, but not in not in a relationship with an MGA or an insurance company. So no, never. Wow. Well, this has been a great conversation. We've kind of touched the surface on it and uh, kind of recap, right? The the marketplace is changing dramatically. Carriers are using all kinds of different ways to go to market. So you're going to have some MGAs, a lot of GAs. Uh, I think Mark says surplus lines brokers and all these come with contracts that that can be, they can vary quite a bit and have ways to get people into trouble. So, um, you know, understand who it is you're signing up with and then uh, do your due diligence. And while you're doing that, make sure to engage um, some professionals, some some good counsel. Uh, and we'll have everybody's contact information in the show notes so that you can uh, get in touch with some folks that really know what they're doing. So with that, appreciate everybody listening.